I can't breathe. Those were the last words of Eric Garner, who was an unarmed black man who was killed back in 2014 after being put in a chokehold by a New York City police officer. And those words have become the mantra of the Black Lives Matter movement in the United States. And those words are at the center of the murder trial of Officer Derek Chauvin for the death of George Floyd. Now, everybody has seen the video of Officer Chauvin kneeling on the neck of George Floyd. But most people have no idea what happened earlier in the day that led up to that encounter. And most people have no idea what happened after George Floyd was pronounced dead with the dueling autopsies that we have in the case. And you're going to learn all about the facts of the case in today's episode. I'm Joshua Roberts, attorney at law, and you are watching Lawyer Up. In today's episode, we're going to be looking at the facts of the case in State of Minnesota versus Derek Chauvin, and we're going to find out what happened that day and in the days that followed the death of George Floyd. Now, if you enjoy the episode, smash that like button for me. If you got something to say, you got a question, put it in the comment section below. Uh, If you want to learn more about legal topics, you want to keep up with the Floyd trial as it goes along, then subscribe to the channel. And as always, I love it when you guys share me on social media. So here is what I did. I have combined several uh, recitations of the facts from several different sources. And by and large, they all agree on what happened that day. So I looked at the probable cause statement, and that was filed by the prosecuting attorney up in Minnesota after they reviewed all the police reports, they reviewed all the body cam, all of the phone footage from the bystanders. I combined that with the accounts that were created by the New York Times, by NPR, National Public Radio, CBS News, and NBC News. They all have compiled their account of what happened, and by and large, they're the exact same. And so here is what they say happened that day. And I've written this down, so I'm going to read this so that we're staying accurate and we're staying true to the facts. So here's what happened. On May 25th of 2020, an employee called 911 and reported that a man bought cigarettes from Cup Foods on Chicago Avenue in Minneapolis, Hennepin County, Minnesota, with a counterfeit $20 bill. At 8.08 p.m., the Minneapolis Police Department officers Thomas Lane and J.A. King, spelled K-U-E-N-G, but pronounced King, they arrived with their body cameras activated and running. Now, note that's not Derek Chauvin. He isn't there yet. He doesn't arrive for quite a while. Those two officers, Lane and King, learned from store personnel the man that passed the counterfeit $20 bill was parked in a car around the corner from the store. Body cam video shows that the officers approached the car, Lane on the driver's side and King on the passenger side. Three people were in the vehicle. George Floyd was in the driver's seat. 
An adult male was in the passenger seat, and an adult female was sitting in the back seat. Officer Lane began speaking with Mr. Floyd. Officer Lane then pulled his gun out, pointed it at Mr. Floyd, and directed Mr. Floyd to show his hands. When Mr. Floyd put his hands on the steering wheel, Lane put his gun back in its holster. While Officer King was speaking with the front seat passenger, Officer Lane ordered George Floyd out of the car, put his hands on Mr. Floyd, and actually pulled him out of the car. Officer Lane then handcuffed Mr. Floyd, and Mr. Floyd actively resisted being handcuffed. However, once handcuffed, George Floyd became compliant, and he walked with Officer Lane to the sidewalk and sat on the ground at Officer Lane's direction. In a conversation that lasted just under two minutes, Officer Lane asked George Floyd for his name and his identification. Officer Lane also asked Mr. Floyd if he was on anything, and he explained that he was arresting Mr. Floyd for passing counterfeit currency. Officers King and Lane then stood Mr. Floyd up and attempted to walk Mr. Floyd to their squad car. This was at 8.14 p.m. Mr. Floyd stiffened up, fell to the ground, and told officers he was claustrophobic. Then, officers Derek Chauvin and Officer Tao arrived in a separate squad car. The officers made several attempts to get Mr. Floyd up and into the back seat of the squad car. Mr. Floyd did not voluntarily get into the car and struggled with the officers by intentionally falling down, saying that he was not getting in the car and otherwise refusing to stand still. Mr. Floyd is over six feet tall and weighs more than 200 pounds. While standing outside the car, Mr. Floyd began saying and repeating that he could not breathe. Now, that is a big deal. That is important, and I'm not reading from the, the, the account anymore, but I'm pointing out uh, that that's an important deal because at this point in time, George Floyd is standing up. Nobody's kneeling on his neck. Nobody's got him on the ground. He's standing there, and he's saying he can't breathe. So either one of two things is happening, right? Either he is telling the truth. He can't breathe, which means he's already in the midst of some sort of a medical situation, or he's not telling the truth. He is saying he can't breathe simply as maybe a representative uh, statement from people who feel like they're being mistreated by the police. And it's more of a statement uh, than it's of saying the truth. So he's saying, I can't breathe as a political statement. Regardless, it's important because when you think about the officer, Derek Chauvin, when he did have his neck pinned, if we have a situation where Floyd couldn't breathe while he was standing there, then we have a medical situation already underway. Or if Mr. Floyd was just saying that as the Black Lives Matters mantra or a symbolic statement, then you have a situation where Officer Chauvin might not give him the benefit of the doubt. He might say, well, you were standing over there, you were saying the same thing, so it's kind of the boy who cried wolf scenario where the officer might say, yeah, you were saying that before when you were over there. And so Officer Chauvin may or may not have taken those statements that I can't breathe while he was on the ground 
seriously. And so I think that's the first big deal in the facts uh, that we see. Now, the facts go on from that point. So then Officer Chauvin goes to the passenger side of the car and tries to get Mr. Floyd into the car on that side while Lane and King assisted. At 8, 19, and 38 seconds, and this is in the PM, Mr. Floyd goes face down on the ground while still handcuffed. King held Mr. Floyd's back and Officer Lane held his legs. Officer Chauvin placed his left knee in the area of Mr. Floyd's head and neck. Mr. Floyd then said, I can't breathe, multiple times, and repeatedly said, Mama, and please. The officers all stayed in their positions. The officers said, You are talking fine to Mr. Floyd as he continued to move back and forth. Officer Lane asked, should we roll him on his side? And Officer Chauvin said, no, stay put where we have him. Officer Lane then said, I am worried about excited delirium or whatever. Officer Chauvin replied, that's why we have him on his stomach. And then none of the three officers, other officers moved from their positions. Body cam video shows that George Floyd continued to move and breathe at that time. At 8.24 and 24 seconds, Mr. Floyd stopped moving. At 8.25 and 31 seconds, the video appears to show Mr. Floyd ceasing to breathe or speak. Officer Lane says, want to roll him on his side? Officer King then checked Mr. Floyd's right wrist for a pulse and says, I can't find one. However, none of the officers move from their positions. At 8.27 and 24 seconds, Officer Chauvin removes his knee from Mr. Floyd's neck. An ambulance and emergency medical personnel arrive. The officers place Mr. Floyd's body on a gurney, and the ambulance leaves the scene. Mr. Floyd was then pronounced dead at the Hennepin County Medical Center. The probable cause statement goes on to say that the defendant had his knee on Mr. Floyd's neck for 8 minutes and 45 seconds in total. Two minutes and 53 seconds after Mr. Floyd was non-responsive. The probable cause statement says that police are trained that this type of restraint with a subject in a prone position is inherently dangerous. And we know that all four of those officers were fired the very next day. And Officer Chauvin was charged with third-degree murder, second-degree manslaughter, and then later charged with second-degree murder. Now, we're going to look at those charges in a separate video. We're going to specifically look at what third-degree murder is, what second-degree manslaughter is, what second-degree murder is. But that's not for this video. This video, we're focusing on the facts. So from this particular point in time, George Floyd's body underwent two separate autopsies subsequent to his death. The first autopsy was with the Hennepin County Medical Examiner, and that was Dr. Baker. Now, I will note one thing that we've seen in the media. Both autopsies that were done list as the cause of death homicide. However, a homicide in autopsy world does not equal a crime. It doesn't equal murder. It simply is the death of one human being that was caused, at least in part, by another human being. So 
just giving an example, if I break into your house in the middle of the night and uh, you grab a gun and you shoot me dead, uh, my autopsy report is going to say that the cause of death was homicide. But are you guilty of murder? Are you guilty of a crime? Well, of course not, because you were legally justified in what you did. So just because the autopsy report says homicide doesn't necessarily mean that a crime has been committed. So with that in place, we see that the original Hennepin County Medical Examiner listed as the cause of death homicide and cardiopulmonary arrest, which is heart failure, complicated by law enforcement restraint and neck compression. There were no findings in this autopsy report of a traumatic asphyxia or strangulation, which is significant because that was the opposite of what was found in the second autopsy. Also, they found Floyd to have had heart disease, high blood pressure, and he tested positive for COVID-19. It was not clear whether he was suffering from COVID-19 at the time of his death or if it had been a prior illness. A toxicology report was run. It found fentanyl intoxication, methamphetamine, and cannabis in George Floyd's system at the time of his death. Now, subsequent to that, a second autopsy was performed by a Dr. Wilson and a Dr. Baden uh, by the family had requested that. And on the second autopsy, the cause of death was listed as homicide by mechanical asphyxiation from sustained pressure. So this autopsy did find that Officer Chauvin essentially caused the death of George Floyd. This autopsy listed no other underlying health conditions and it's not clear whether they performed a separate or had a separate toxicology report uh, conducted, but they don't seem to have any dispute with the toxicology report that was performed by the county. So at the end of the day, this case may ultimately come down to who the jury believes amongst the doctors, amongst the people who perform the autopsies. And that's a crazy position for a defendant to be in. That's a crazy position for George Floyd's family to be in, to have this case essentially possibly decided between two dueling autopsy reports. Well, those are the facts of the case involving the death of George Floyd. I hope you have enjoyed the episode. If you have, hit that like button for me. If you got something to say, comment below and subscribe to the channel. We have talked about the facts of the case today, but we're going to do a separate video talking about the specific charges facing Derek Chauvin. We'll do another video about lawyer arguments, trial strategy, and we will follow along with this trial as it proceeds. So hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of the information. And last but not least, I love it. And you guys know this when you share me on social media. Thank you for watching. I'm Joshua Roberts, attorney at law, and you've been watching Lawyer Up. Send lawyers, guns, and money.